0: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
1: I'm Sarah, and I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely, the choices, trade-offs,
0: priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back after a Thanksgiving Day holiday break. We're now deep in Christmas. We're going to keep chugging along with some really powerful commemorations that I think are really important as we start another holiday season. So we're going to
0: start with Melissa, who has a very powerful commemoration, as Sarah said, and we're going to share it mostly in full with you. She writes, I was diagnosed with early stage breast cancer in 2015 when I was 44 years old. I had 16 rounds of chemo, a lumpectomy, and radiation in the hopes that the cancer would not be back. I also took tamoxifen daily to stop the cancer as well. In 2018, after four clean mammograms and ultrasounds, I started having horrible bone pain in my hip, pelvis, and sacrum, so much pain that I was convinced I had broken a bone since I could barely walk. I still believed, though, the narrative that is pushed on women, that if you check your breast and if you catch it early, you're fine. I was the poster child for positive thinking. However, positive thinking is not a cure— This pain turned out to be the cancer back again that had now metastasized to my bones. Metastatic breast cancer is terminal and kills more than 116 people every day in the U.S. alone. What I didn't realize is that this will happen to 30% of early-stage breast cancer survivors. Not one single doctor told me
1: that. This last year, I have had to learn how to live while I am dying. I am actually not doing too bad right now and have been able to take chemo pills so far versus having to move to IV chemo. I can't walk for long distances without excruciating pain or bend over too often, but I have adapted. I had to take a wheelchair when doing college visits with my oldest daughter, but I was still able to participate and go on the tours.
0: I live my normal life being a mother to two high school girls, running my blog, and even going to see my favorite podcasters when they come to Troy,
1: Michigan. Thank you, Melissa. Melissa has taken on a role as an advocate trying to raise more money for research and to change laws that affect many women and some men living with metastatic breast cancer. She recently went to D.C. to take part in a die-in where 116 people laid down on the west lawn of the U.S. Capitol building to represent the people who die every single day of this disease in the United States alone. She says, the truth is I probably will never beat it. But I could live for a long time if metastatic breast cancer was truly rendered a chronic, manageable condition. Current survival with the most common subtype of the disease averages from 18 to 36 months with triple negative survival averaging a scant 9 to 13 months. I'm at about the 12-month mark, so those are some scary statistics. My youngest daughter is a freshman in high school, and I worry that I will not be around for her high school graduation. Somehow, I need to fit in the years of mothering and advice before I leave them. But for now, I will commemorate that I'm doing fairly well and trying to be a good role model for my girls and hope that my voice and others, that things can change. It probably won't save my life, but it could save others. And for now, that has to be enough. It is breathtaking
0: to me how clear Melissa is in these moments. And I have experienced this with some folks I know too, that when life becomes this uncertain They are really able to ground into what they most care about and what most matters to them and to find a peace that is hard for most of us to manage when we don't have any kind of immediate threats to our longevity. And I just... At the risk of being a person who says, like, well, here's the silver lining in a truly awful situation. That is not what I intend to do. I also want to say to Melissa that I admire the clear-eyed way that she sets out that this sucks and also that she is trying to be a link in the chain to help future people not have it be so dire. I
1: believe that people who are facing... Terrible, fatal diagnosis like Melissa is are amazing teachers. They have a perspective um, that can inform and enlighten and just expand all of our understanding in this brief, precious moment of how fragile life is. You know, we are recording this on December 2nd. December 1st is the anniversary of the shooting at my high school where three of my fellow classmates lost their life. And I have really come to understand in the last year how much that event affected me and how I think about life. And again, not to to lean on the silver linings, but it was a very powerful lesson at a very young age that nothing is promised. Nothing is promised. Every single day is so precious. It's hard to keep that perspective in mind through the sort of ordinariness and the stress and the grind of everyday life but you know people like Melissa and their perspective they know what it's like for it to be front of mind they understand the power it because it is it's a powerful perspective of understanding how fragile everything is and and as a result what a gift every single day is. And, you know, I think this time of year, we always want to channel that. And we, you know, we sing songs. I cry every time I hear have yourself a merry little Christmas for the first time. Because of that, if the fates allow, if the fates allow, we'll be back here again. But we might not be. And that's hard. But I think Melissa does such a beautiful job of holding that and just keeping it right there, that nothing is promised and time is limited. And, you know, that's true for every single one of us, whether we're facing a scary diagnosis or not.
0: I was in Culver's with my family as we were making our way home from our visit to Chicago for Thanksgiving. And Ellen, my four-year-old, looks up and she goes, mom, and I mean, she said this with the the confidence of a four-year-old, right? She goes, mom, look at how old that man is. And I'm sure he heard. I mean, there was just no way. It was unmistakable. She speaks very clearly. And (laughs) I said, oh, isn't it great that we're in a place that has people who are all ages? I think that's really fun. And she goes, he's so old, mom. And I said, well, I think that's really wonderful, don't you? And she goes, mom, he's going to die soon. Oh, my gosh. And I said, you know, Ellen, we all die at some point. So that's that's probably true. And she goes, I feel really bad about that. And I mean, I just <laughs> couldn't get out of it. I had no idea what to say. Um, but she has kind of been stuck on this and I don't know where it came from. We haven't had any recent deaths in our family, fortunately, but she's really, she just keeps springing up when we watch something on television or in a random situation in Culver's, you know, that that everyone dies. And there's a part of me that wants to push that back, and Jane really wants to. Jane keeps saying, Ellen, stop talking about this. But I'm trying not to because I am trying to say, that's right, we die, all of us. And we don't know when it's going to happen. And maybe it's more likely for someone who seems so old to you in Culver's, uh, but it could be you or me or any of us because there is a complete randomness at work in some ways. I was doing some homework from my therapy, where I I waltzed into my appointment just feeling really great about everything and um, left sobbing. Um, I don't know what question my therapist asked that sort of opened up a bunch of stuff about my car accident, but it sure did. There were the floodgates. And so um, one of my homework assignments was to write a letter to the person who died in my accident here with the benefit of, you know, 20 years behind it. And all I could really focus on when I was writing that letter is this is the most significant piece of my life. It ended his life, and it was a random car accident, just totally random. And I can't imagine what it must feel like to have all those statistics swirling around about early detection of breast cancer and the percentage of people who get this metastatic breast cancer and the averages of months and to feel that randomness landing in your body. I think that has to be so incredibly frustrating on some days and scary on others. And it must just piss you off sometimes, especially as you look at a a daughter in high school and think about what she really needs from her mom over the next few years. And I just wanna say, as we uplift Melissa here, that I hate that. I hate that this happens in very real ways to Melissa and anyone else. And I hope that you are surrounded by people who are supportive of all of the emotions that come with this. We will be right
1: back after this short message from our sponsor.
0: Do you know what's in your deodorant? I didn't, and then I looked it up. Most deodorants we use every day contain aluminum, parabens, and other harmful products that have proven links to cancer. Hug Me Deodorant by Bloom is all natural, safe, and sustainable, and it works. Bloom cares about what we put into our bodies, and we should care too.
1: How does it work? hug me deodorant by bloom that's b l u m e is made with probiotics the probiotics encourage your body to make more good bacteria and as a result your body produces less bad bacteria so bo doesn't exist mainstream antiperspirants contain aluminum which get absorbed into our bloodstream and have been linked to cancer hug me deodorant is safe and sustainable it's rated the best deodorant by new york post try hug me risk-free 30-day satisfaction guaranteed or your money back Hug Me by Bloom
0: keeps you feeling fresh and super huggable. Right now, our listeners will get 25% off their first stick and free shipping when you go to bloom.com slash nuanced. That's bloom.com slash nuanced for 25% off your first stick and free shipping. If you don't love it and feel amazing when you wear it, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. B-L-U-M-E dot slash nuanced.
1: Mary wrote us because she wants to commemorate being an advocate for herself at work. When Mary heard that there were going to be layoffs at her job, she thought that her position would likely be eliminated. She went to her boss and said she was flexible and wanted to do what it took to stay. When the layoffs happened, she was spared, but she took on a bunch of additional work with no raise or promotion. That changed, pushed her to her brink. And after she was transferred up and out to another department, she swore she would never do that again. She left that job nearly five years ago. She says, "'After a long road at my current company, I'm about to be promoted. But they told me that I was earning more than anyone in my level, so the promotion, though it comes with significant additional responsibility, was not coming with a raise. I like this job. I want to keep it. And I'm not unhappy with what I'm paid here, but this smelled funny to me. In the weeks since they officially agreed to promote me, I've agreed to take on even more responsibility in the wake of a colleague's departure.'" I care more about the advancement and staying with this company than I do about the money, so I was tempted to leave it alone. Also, I'm an Enneagram 9, and it's hard for me to provoke conflict when I can just ignore a problem and hope my feelings about it go away. But the sense that I too often sell for less in this area wouldn't rest. So I went into my boss this morning and said very pleasantly that I understood why they weren't bumping me up to the next level before, but that I've since agreed to take on even more responsibility and I wanted to revisit the conversation. I said that it wasn't a hill I wanted to die on, but I recognize that I haven't always appropriately advocated for myself in this area and I've promised myself to do better going forward.
0: Mary said, although my boss repeated the salary range argument at the beginning of our conversation, to my surprise, she admitted that I was smart to make that argument and she'd look at it again. Regardless of what happens, the part of myself that has always felt sold short by what I did a decade ago to keep my job, which I admit was the best thing I knew to do at the time, feels like I can trust myself more fully because I spoke up on my own behalf. And the part of me that was convinced that bosses are always going to take unfair advantage of my work ethic feels better about my boss because she heard me out and, is considering my argument not bad for a conversation that took me 10 minutes or less
1: i mean when i first read this commemoration i thought she was commemorating sticking up for herself on the layoff i mean i know that it ended badly but i thought that was pretty impressive to begin with not to just say okay layoffs are coming i should prepare she was like no i'm gonna go in there and say hey i am flexible i will work to stay and i hate that they took advantage of that but i still think it was pretty amazing Well done, Mary.
0: I think that you're in such a good position when you're able to say, I like it here. I am happy. I am not mad about anything. And also, when I look at my responsibilities and when I'm paid for them, something feels off. That is a wonderful place to be in your employment. May I offer some suggestions for people who want to ask for raises? (laughs) (laughs) The first thing I think is, to do what Mary did and kind of know in advance what her hill to die on is or isn't. It is not a good thing to go look, look for a raise and not be sure whether you're in sort of an ultimatum situation or not. You need to know ahead of time how far am I willing to push this. I also think it's really helpful when you have thought about all of the non-cash aspects of your job, because if you're asking for a raise and it comes back as a no, it's great to be able to say, I've really thought about what's important to me here. I really would like to make this work. Is it possible for me to work from home one day a week? Is it possible for me to get a little more vacation time? You know, are there ways that you can feel more valued? even if the cash doesn't come through, that you can know ahead of time and be able to offer some suggestions. You know, you stay in that sort of problem-solving mode. The other thing that I think is important is to show an understanding of how processes like this work because Mm. very few people work directly for, report directly to the person who's going to decide how much money you make. In the scheme of the overall organization, you have to be sensitive to, Who sets these budgets and how much flexibility is built into these budgets and timing-wise, when can this actually happen? And so asking those questions or just putting out there, I don't really know how this works or how much flexibility you have at this time of year. I want to start this conversation. I would love for you to guide me through the most effective way to advocate for this within the organization. You know, When you show that you care about the person on the other end of the conversation too, that person is going to be really motivated to help you through the process.
1: That makes sense. I, I mean, look, I don't have a lot of expertise on this. I'm not – I have not been in a sort of 9-to-5 job in a long time. Wasn't in one for that long when I was. Didn't do any salary negotiations. But I think going in, like, with that, for any negotiation, acknowledging, like, this is the beginning of the conversation. I want to solve this problem together and not sort of go in-
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
1: And demanding and coming in with this posture of, like, I've been treated well. I've seen this in some of my friends' and family's jobs. Like, when people come to them like that, people get so defensive and then it just breaks down from there.
0: Well, and it's such an important point. You know, the reason that I think it's worth talking more about this is because so many women are intimidated to ask for raises. Because I think in our heads, the conversation goes like, I need $7,000 more a year or I quit. And that's Mm. not how the process works when it works well. And it's certainly not a process that you're going to feel good about undertaking, especially if you love what you do. So just know that it is a process. It is a series of conversations, not just one. And that it works better when you kind of say, I'm just thinking about my relationship with this company long term and whether my work is really valued. And as I'm thinking about that, here's what's coming up for me.
1: Well, well done mary good job advocating for yourself especially as an enneagram nine we see you we see you as a peacemaker and good for you for putting yourself on the list and creating your own peace and not sacrificing that at the altar of your workplace we're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back it's already december and as much as we love getting seasonal this month can be a bit stressful We've all got a long list of things to do for the holidays. If life insurance is one of the things way down your list, Policy Genius might be able to help you cross it off. They'll find you the right life insurance at the best price and do all of the work to help get you covered. Because I think the end of the year, as we're all trying to be our best and better selves for 2020 is a really great time to lean on a tool like Policy Genius, to mark this off your list before 2020.
0: Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home and auto insurance or disability insurance.
1: So if you need life insurance but aren't sure where to start, why not start at policygenius.com? It only takes a few minutes to find the right life insurance policy, apply, and cross one more thing off your to-do list, policy genius. When it comes to life insurance, it's nice to get it right.
0: we are hearing from sarah who describes herself as a people pleaser namaste sarah and she (laughs) found herself out sick at work for several days and in a funk and the funk was so severe that she realized it wasn't just the physical sickness but her discomfort with being alone she realized that she needed to
1: work on enjoying her own company more the next week she took a work trip with five teammates and after a long day of travel they wanted to go out drinking But Sarah apologized and went to bed early, and here is what she wants to commemorate. The next morning, I got up and did yoga in my room and decided to go exploring all by myself, y'all. I took a 20 minute walk from the hotel to Cafe Dumont and grabbed my coffee and beignets to go. I curiously followed some steps behind the cafe and found myself sitting beside the Mississippi River watching ships go by as I sipped my coffee and enjoyed a New Orleans tradition. I was so proud of myself in that moment, I was truly enjoying my time alone. Once I finished my breakfast, I didn't want this magical time to end, so I went exploring. I walked through Jackson Square slowly and intentionally, looking at the street vendor's artwork and watching the birds flit around the bushes. I went into the St. Louis Cathedral and felt the beauty of this place and sat down for a prayer of gratitude. I walked through the French Quarter, actually lovely in the daytime as well, and purchased a few unique holiday gifts. I got myself a Café du Monde Christmas ornament to remember the special day. And finally, I walked through another green square and headed back to the hotel. All total, I believe my adventure was about three hours long, but it meant so much more than this little amount of time for me. It was a truly an awakening to realize I could explore a city on my own and not long for company. I could sit quietly with myself and think only of the goodness around me and not focus on my solitude. I'm sure this will be a lifelong journey. I'm sure I will have moments of loneliness, but I feel like I'm okay no matter what life brings. I feel like the world is just waiting for me to explore it with or without a friend. I feel like I can sit at home with myself and be satisfied. I am great company. We have photos. That Sarah sent us of her little trip around New Orleans on our Instagram, pantsuit Politics, that y'all have to check out, first of all.
0: I love this from Sarah. I feel like the journey of a people pleaser is to learn that what we really need is to love ourselves. And we have to stop relying on trying to please other people so that they will love us. Because that's the whole point, right? I do things for other people because I think it will make them love me more. And it won't. You know, Mm -hmm. it will just make them feel more of whatever they feel about me. And it will definitely cause them to depend on me more. But depending on someone is different than loving them. And once you kind of get, hey, I'm fine and I'm good, um, your relationships start to improve. I just say this, you know, having walked this journey and still walking it. And now I'm in a place where I truly love to be alone (laughs) all the time everywhere. This day that Sarah is describing sounds perfect and magical to me. And so I hope she has many more just like it.
1: Well, first of all, I just want to say the journey itself makes me want to go back to New Orleans. Cafe Du Mans is a gift. I say that it is maybe besides the Eiffel Tower, like the biggest traditional tourist trap that actually delivers. Like it is a huge tourist trap. It is crowded and it still it is fantastic. The coffee is delicious and the beignets are perfection. Like it really lives up to its reputation. So I'm so glad that this is where her magical day began. I have a different type of expertise in this. I'm an only child. I really like my own company. This is not, I've not had to teach myself this. Um, I have my own room. And so I just spent a lot of time alone. Now I have FOMO, which I think is the flip side of, of loving your own company and being an only child. Like you learn to love your own company, but you always feel like you're missing out on something. But I love being alone. Even I was telling my sister-in-law this weekend over Thanksgiving because she travels a lot for work and she goes to South Korea and has not been to a Korean spa in South Korea because she was like, well, I'm always traveling with these guys and they don't want to go. And I'm like, oh, I don't care. When I went to Italy for five weeks in college after my freshman year of college, like people never went anywhere by themselves. I would go on day trips all the time, just be like, yeah, I'm going to go do this thing by myself because nobody else wants to go. And who cares? If I want to do something like... I will just take off and do it. I like being alone. I like sort of charting my own course, and I'm so so glad that my namesake here is is developing that journey cuz listen, the world is out there waiting for you.
0: It's also sometimes waiting in your hotel room by yourself. You know what I mean? You got to <laughs> so recharge true. a little bit, especially if you are taking on all of other people's stuff. The most wonderful times for me are often, especially when we're traveling or something you know, I try to really absorb all the energy around me and really kind of meet people where they are and and get in it with them. And then when we are finished and I walk into my hotel room and shut the door and I'm alone, it's like the best feeling ever. It's just like, it's, um you have an instant pot? You know, when you do the quick release, that's what it feels like to
1: me. <laughs> Listen, I love being with girlfriends. I love traveling with groups of girlfriends. But every single one of my sort of regular travel girlfriend groups will attest that I'm with it, I'm with it, and then when I'm done, I'm done. Have I yelled at my beloved girlfriends on travel trips? Yes, I have, because they will not be quiet, and I'm ready to go to bed. Like, I just get to—I hit a wall where I'm like—I just—I felt her so much where they're, like, out drinking. I would definitely be the one— going back. I was like that even as a kid with summer parties, and so is my eldest child. Like, I just get to a point where I'm like, no, it's time to go to bed. I don't want to hang out with y'all any more. And
0: I love and so admire people who just announce their boundaries without apology too. That's, that's the next level, Sarah. When you mm. say, I'm not sorry. This is just what I prefer mm-hmm. to do. We met mm-hmm. in Abilene, Amy, who hosted us there. She has the most amazing thing in her life. <laughs> she takes Sundays off period. Like, she does not get out of her pajamas on Sundays. And she was telling us that if somebody has a baby shower on Sunday, it's too bad. She's not going to be there because (laughs) it's Sunday and that's her day. (laughs) Birthday party on Sunday afternoon Enjoy yourself. I don't do that on Sundays. And I I, I was like leaning across the table with my body. You know how your body leans in when it hears something that's just exactly right? I was like, Yes, Amy, tell me more of this. Amy, I want to yeah. be the person who just says, these are my boundaries. This is what I do. It's really good for me. And it enables me to be my best self the rest of the time.
1: Yeah. It's a really I love that rule. And she, and you know, like everything's fine. She has her friends and her family. Nobody was like, You can't come to my baby shower you're not in my life anymore. Like people get over it, man. It's not the end of the world. Even though I really do believe in showing up for that stuff, I do think that if you found in your own life that you need a certain amount of time, then you just have to protect it. That's just the long and short of it. And that's the other cure to
0: people pleasing when you take enough space to realize, oh, the earth continues to rotate on its axis without me trying to spin it. Like it is okay for
1: me to back away. It's a good feeling. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Sarah, and thanks for sharing your commemorations, Mary and Melissa. We are so happy to be here with all of you. We'll be back next week. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash Life. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music.
0: Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad
1: music. For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.